Welcome to the Italian Football Podcast with John Solano, Carlo Garganese and Nima Tuvali. Hello everybody and welcome to the Italian Football Podcast. I'm Carlo Garganese. Joined, as always, by Nima. Huge, huge weekend of football in Serie A. Three absolutely massive matches. First against second, Napoli against Atalanta. The road derby and then the two most hated teams in Italy, the derby d'Italia between Juventus and Inter. There's so much to talk about. Just before we do start, though, um, just a reminder for, for all our first-time listeners, this is our free weekly episode, which we do every Monday, reviewing the weekend Serie A action and all the biggest talking points in Italian football. If you want to support the Italian Football Podcast and receive all of our content throughout the week, including our weekly Q&A episode, which is every Tuesday, where we answer all the questions sent in from our patrons, plus the weekly Thursday midweek review show, plus interviews, post-match reaction, uh, and much, much more, then go to patreon.com slash TIFP and become a subscriber for just two ninety nine a month plus VAT. That's patreon.com slash TIFP. Uh, and thank you to everyone for, for, for listening. And please do keep giving us your, your five-star ratings as well as subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, iTunes and Google Podcasts uh, and also share the pod on social media because it really, really helps us. Okay, right. Let's get to the football now and there's only one place to start and that is the Derby d'Italia. Okay, so Juventus versus Inter and it is Juventus with a a huge win, uh, 2-0 against Inter. Um, massive win for Juve uh, in the race for the top four. Uh, I guess we should come to Nima first, because um, Nima's not had the best week, and this was just the the icing on top of the cake for for. It was the floating turd on in in the in the in the in the punch bowl made of horse piss. Um, this game, um, uh, given the week I've had, um, yeah, it's. Uh, I think. Um, I've been quite, you know, I've been supporting Allegri, and I and I think he was the right decision. And I think, you know, I said this season is year year one. This is year one. I was doubting a lot when Juve were on the ropes, but champions always come back when you least expect them. And Max Allegri has shown that when it matters the most, when he's got no, when his back is against the wall and he's forced to play the kids, he and he he does so, and the kids deliver. Uh, Fagioli is a is a jewel. Um, he is what a what a little jewel Juve have unearthed there. Miretti as well. He finally played a three five two. Kostic as a left wing back is outstanding. He finally played the Brazilians in the back three. Alexandro Bremer Danilo, um, and Rabio continues to be for me the embodiment of Allegri's two point Juventus two point zero. Maybe not the sexiest player in the world, but a useful player, an efficient player. Um, Juve have conceded seven goals in the Serie A in 13 games. That's fantastic. 
The problem has been that they don't create as much. And when you've got Di Maria, Chiesa, Pogba, and Vlaovic out, you can't point the finger too much. But he's always said, Allegri, judge me after 15 games. Well, we're two games short of that. And two, and I think that by the end of next week, or this week, sorry, we'll see a Juve who's very much in the top four. Um, and that's that's a good place to be for them going into the break where they have a month now to work on everything that's not working. So yeah, I, I mean, think from a Juve perspective, this was this was just la svolta, the turning point. It really yeah. was. Well, we'll see, we'll see about that. I mean, I, I think that for sure that finally Juventus fans have something to cheer about and, and celebrate. This is this is the first time in the fifteen months that that I think Juve fans can actually smile and actually be proud. Um, obviously, it's against Inter. So I think even the Allegri out disciples, and there's quite a lot of Juve fans recently who have actually been cheering against Juventus in recent weeks and wanting them to, to lose in order to um, f- for Allegri to, to, be, to, to push Allegri closer to the sack. But the quicker he gets out, the quicker Juventus can, can actually turn the page and... and, and, and you know, rebuild. Uh, I think that was all put aside for this game, and we even saw, you know, a packed crowd, and the, and the, and it's been, you know, empty the stadium. You know, that is how much this game meant. Um, and finally, you know, Juventus have a big win. It's their first big win in a year, and they played eighteen games, big games under Allegri, and only won one <laughs> during his since his return. That was against Chelsea a year ago in in the group stages, and uh, so they finally have a big win. Um, Yes, but they did ride their luck a bit. I mean, Inter had three huge chances at nil-nil before, and we'll come to Inter in a bit before Juventus scored with their with their first real chance. Um, but but they there was some really really fantastic individual performances. Kostic, as you said, he was man of the match. He he put in an incredible performance. He, I mean, he got two assists. He also got the assists for the disallowed goal um, on the corner. Um, which um, okay, we'll come to the corner. I mean, for me, it's. I mean, I mean, it was the correct decision to dislike because it hit his hand. The rules are pretty clear. Yeah. If, you, if, if you handball it, it comes off your hand, whether it's accidental, Doesn't whether matter. it's deliberate, it is a goal. I've seen some people say, well, you know, should it have been a penalty because he was holding <laughs> his arm when he when he did it? Um, you know, but... Uh, if that's but, a yeah. penalty, I mean, we're giving a penalty for that. Then I don't even know. Then then, then we have, then we should give penalty. Then we're going to have 15 penalties each half. Because yeah. that happens, that is that that kind of contact happens at every set piece, in yeah. in every game, in every league. So it's not a penalty. I don't think anyone can seriously claim it's a penalty. And the rule and people asking, well, why didn't you know Doveri look at it? Because it's not up to him to look. It's an objective rule. It's not a subjective call. the The rule is objectively: you cannot score with any part of your arm or hand. Simple as that. Unintentional, intentional, doesn't matter. If the ball goes off the attacking player's hand or arm into the into the back of the net, it is not a goal. It's like offside. Yeah, you know, it's. it's yeah. I mean, it's. It's just that's the that's the laws of the game. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> it didn't it didn't matter anyway. But I mean, Kostic, no. Kostic. Uh, coming back to Kostic, he was he was fantastic. And then this is what I've said: like when Kostic was playing in a four three three, he's not a, mm. a winger in yeah. a four three three. I mean, he is very one dimensional. I'm not going to lie; he, he yeah. doesn't have much to his game. All he does is is he crosses, but his his delivery is is so good. It's like Di Marco. You know, Di Marco 
doesn't really do much other than than, than kick a ball, you know. But yeah. the way he kicks the ball, the way he crosses, and the way he delivers and executes, you know, is so good. Kostic, he always makes the right, makes his pass and his cross, and and you know, he's got six assists now this season. Uh, and you know, for that first goal, he even showed good pace to get away from. I mean, Barella's, that's what I was going to say. Barella's pretty quick, and Barella yeah. couldn't chase him down. I mean, he no. wasn't he wasn't gaining on him at all. He wasn't gaining on it. You know, he was faster as fast with the ball as Barella was without the ball. Yeah. You know? So, you know, I think he was he was absolutely brilliant. Um, Bremer was unbelievable. Uh, I was class. watching him. Watch, yeah, I was watching him closely. His positioning, even on the the. The some in, some some incidents and incidences that incidents. Yeah, I can't speak English. Even on some incidents that that didn't even turn into much. His positioning is unbelievable on crosses. He's always in the right position. He always gets his his, his that cut cuts off the crossing lanes and the passing lanes to avoid chances becoming big chances. You know, he he did that so many times. Well, throughout the season, but especially last night, he is. His reading of the game, positioning, it's like Thiago Silva. He reminds me of Thiago Silva, the way that he anticipates where the ball and where the cross and where the through pass is going to come. And the amount of blocks and challenges he put in uh, and aerially that he just wins everything. Uh, he, he was absolutely brilliant. And, and that was summed up by the tackle that he made, which stopped a, a goal-scoring chance and led to the counter for Fajoli's goal. That was Bremer that, that put in yeah. that tackle. And him and Danilo were, were, were as, as a partnership, I know it was a three, but those two were, were really, really good. Uh, you know, Danilo, he he's shown himself to be, you know, in a back three, actually pretty useful in a back three. I don't he's really... He's a very good central yeah, defender. Yeah, I don't rate him in a back four. Right. I, yeah, I don't rate him in a back four at all because he doesn't offer anything going no. forward. He's not a, uh, a fullback or a wingback. No, and he also, he's, a... not the, he's not the quickest to be as a fullback no. either. No. And he's not. He doesn't have any acceleration. No. I mean, enough. I mean, for for the role of a wing back uh, or a or 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 a full back, you need to have acceleration. You need to be have yeah. some sort of quickness and explosiveness. He doesn't have that, but he's yeah. quick enough, and he's physical enough, and he's intelligent enough mm. to play into the right of a back. And really three. good in the air as well, because he was really. Yes, he is. He was. He, did, sure he, is. he outdone Jekyll in the air. Yeah, yeah, he was winning most of the aerial challenges Matt, against. No, Jekyll. he was. He was no, for me. It was Kostic was the man of the match, and then it was a tie between Bremer and Danilo. Yeah. Bremer, we knew was going to be outstanding in this game because of what happened in the summer. Yeah. So it was. It was going to happen. And look, those of you following, Bremer's been very media, good throughout the season. I've seen. Yeah, people but look, look, I've seen people look, criticize him, but he has. Been yeah, very but good. yeah, but he. I mean, he 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 what he made a few a few errors and positional errors playing in the back four, and and that's not his position. Uh, look, for those of you who follow me on the social media, those of you who listen to this pod for a long time, for, for the two years we've been doing it, you know what I think about Bremer. I think when in a back three, Bremer is the best central defender in the world. There is no one better than him. There is no one better than him defensively. Defensively, in a back three, in the middle, right now, when he's in form, no one better. No one reaches the levels this guy plays at. He is a monster and a wall. And you saw that yesterday. I mean, he's he embodies. I mean, he, he really is Kilini's replacement in the sense of the warrior heart, the way that he fights and he he. But 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 aside from that, he's quick. His read of the game is excellent. His anticipation is second to none. His physique, his his ability to to win tackles and also play the ball well. His passing is good. No, he he is for me. He is the best central defender defensively in the world in a back three. No one is better than him. 
Um, I in a back four, no, nowhere near. But in a back three, yes. Um, mm. And also, how long have you heard me say Juve play three five two with Alexandro Bremer, Danilo, Kostic on the left? Finally, they did that, and yeah. and it's looking really, really well. What that raises, he, though, well, two 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 things that raises. First of all, Bonucci. Juventus, I think it, now we, we have to agree, Juventus are better without Benucci. Benucci no is no longer nope. a first-choice player for Juventus, correct? Nope, nope, he isn't. He sure isn't. He, well, who does he... Who, 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 tell me yesterday who he is better than. Well, no, who does that, he, well, that, that's the point, isn't it? I mean, if you're going to play Benucci in a back three, there's only one position you can play in. That's in the centre of the back three. Yeah. So that's where Bremer plays. Bremer to the so right, what do you do? Or... So, so do you move Bremer out to one of the wide areas? Well... That poses, no. a, that poses a problem because one, Bonucci, you know, he's had his own problems just defending full stop, whatever the formation, you know, he Always seems to be has. in decline. But Always secondly, has. you stick Bremer as the, uh, as the wide centre-back, then you're not getting the best out of Bremer. It's not his, his best role is in the centre. He can play as a wide centre-back, but his, his distribution, if there's one weakness with Bremer, his mm. distribution isn't great. Now, as you play as a wide centre-back, you, your distribution is becomes important. And that's where Danilo's actually... Very, very good, and, and even Alexandro is actually yep. not bad distributing the ball. He can he can use the ball, you know, at least because they they have more time on the ball. Both Danilo yeah. and Alexandro struggle when you're on the wing. You have to hit the ball at what you know one time crosses. They're not good at that. They they don't excel in that. But when they play in, in into the back three and either side of uh, on on to the right or left, they they get more time on the ball and they can pick their passes. And they are mm-hmm. good at that. And they are good at that yeah. distribution, and they are Brazilians. Good at- Brazilians are generally Brazilian defenders generally are quite good in playing the back three because it's mm. very well. It certainly was for a long time in this century. Back threes were very, very commonly used in Brazilian league football, yeah. and a lot of Brazilians are grow up playing that those systems with the back three. So they are very comfortable playing it, and we're definitely seeing that with those three Brazilians. But the other thing that this raises about the back three is, you know, Chiesa. And to, a, and to an extent, Di Maria, kind of, do they fit into a three Chiesa five, does. formation? Chiesa does. Chiesa does. Chiesa can, play sure. as a forward. Chiesa can play as a forward next to Vlaovic. In fact, the very idea of Vlaovic and Chiesa playing together in a two-man attack is should puts the, puts the fear of God in most Serie A teams. Because the, the intelligence that Chiesa has, um, his, he can play in any of those positions up front. Um, and he his, hasn't proved he, it though in his career. He has never played in that position regularly for any team, though. So that I mean, that's that's a question that needs to be answered. I hope he can. I think he's I got think the he attributes. Can. He's got the attributes that he can become that player, but he needs to be trained and developed into that player. You know, obviously his natural yeah. position is a winger, and when he came on and was so good against PSG in that little cameo performance, he was obviously as a winger. Um, so you know, I well, don't know. Also, well, the thing it's is, I don't, I don't. I mean, Allegri can play a three-four-two-one as well. He can play with with. Uh, with Di Maria and uh, Chiesa on 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 either side of Laovic as well, he can do that as well. I mean, he possibly, can, but again, he, it's not a wing role. So you know, no, no, but it's kind of an inverted winger. But my point is simply that I I think Chiesa's not a problem. I'm more worried about Di Maria in that instance. But to be honest, Di Maria, he's you know he's what 34, 35 years old. This is this is going to probably be his only season at Juve. Um, I wouldn't. I would I would build around Chiesa and Vlaovic and, and these other players than, than than Di Maria. Di Maria just have a, as a good rotation player and and in in you know in, in games against you know Hellas and you know Sassuolo and Empoli, you can play Di Maria and, and and do stuff like that. But it's clear that the best for you is a back three, 
Uh, Gatti performs well as that as well in that as well. Um, they need to sign, and and we know Banu Bonucci comes is, is at his best in a back three. So you're essentially only looking at, you know, a, a, a backup role to for for Danilo to the right. But above all, what Juve need to do if they want to strengthen is is Quadrado. I I've always respected Quadrado. I think he's been grossly underrated and and unfairly treated by most Juve fans and that in that environment. But now he is so past his best; it's not even funny. Um, and Juve need to find a replacement for him bad. The same way they found one for for um, for Kostic uh, in Kostic. Sorry, he, I think he, you know, he's he, he's he. We knew he's good, um, and he's been outstanding. You know, should have had three assists, could have scored a goal, uh, could have had three assists, could have could have. Scored, I mean, if it wasn't for a fantastic Andre Onana save where he tips yeah. it into the. Into we the have to post. talk about the midfield though, because Rabiot scored another goal, which was with a, mm-hmm. with a great finish. To be fair, I have to give credit where it's due. That was Stunning. that was a that was a really really difficult chance. The way that you, you, he's running towards goal, uh, and the ball comes across him on his weaker foot across his body. That is a really really difficult really difficult chance to to guide that with a glancing touch, you know, towards the far post. That, that's a really, really difficult chance. And it, that was a great, great finish. He, he's now scored five goals this season. He's only one off his all-time best goal tally for a season, which is six at PSG. And we're, we're still in November. So he's, he's uh, yeah, he's, he's added goals to his game uh, this season. He, he, I still have my, my doubts. You know, I still think Juventus needs to upgrade. There's no doubt about that. But, you know, it's, it's, that was nice. But also, we have to talk about Fajoli because that is, that's a beautiful story. Okay, he got a little bit of a luck with the finish, took a deflection, but you know he's got two goals now in three games. Uh, is that was his first start? And again, I repeat what I said last week. This is why I said play the kids. You know, time will tell if they are end up being good enough. There are still obviously question marks whether Fajoli, even Moretti, who who was actually pretty poor, very poor actually, to be honest with you, in this game. Um, you know, this is why I said play the kids because. They've shown now that they're not any inferior. They're, in fact, they're, they're 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 superior to the to the the other options, the likes of McKenney, you know, these kind of players. They're better than these players. Whether they're still whether they're good enough, I'm you know, time will tell on that. I'm still not sure. But you know, they've shown that you know they deserve their chance. They deserve the chance to develop. Uh, and you know, Juventus can only can only win from that. And, they, you know, the only frustrating thing is why has it taken so long to, 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 for the likes of Fajoli and, and these, you know, these younger players to, to get the opportunity? That's the frustrating thing because Juventus have thrown away so much of this season already um, and probably too much for them to even have a chance of getting back into the Scaletta race. They're too far away. But, you know, these guys, they deserve the chance sooner. And Allegri's only played them because... He's basically forced to play them. He's got so many players out. He didn't have a choice. Had to play Pajoli. But this is, you know, this has shown why they deserve their chance. And and it's, it's a great story for Pajoli. You know, lifelong Juventus fan. You know, watched came and watched the the games as a kid at the stadium. You know, so uh, that that's a that's a nice a nice little side story. It is. It's a very nice side story, and I think it's good for for these clubs to have players that love them that love the clubs they're at, they become standard bearers, they become flag bearers, and they become this, um, you know, this this voice in the dressing room that leads by example as how much it means, what it means to be Juve and, and what Juve means. Uh, mm. I think it's really important. Just before we move but, on to Inter, though, just before we move on to Inter, Allegri, 
So, you know, you've said on previous shows that you think that Allegri could go during the, the World Cup break. Yeah, I did do you preface feel, that. Do you feel now that it's likely he's going to now stay no, with this no. win? And if you if you remember last week, I think it was on Thursday, Paul, I said, I think a lot of it rides on this game. Um, mm. And I said that, uh, well, I, used to, I prefaced that if they get rid of him, it will be during the World Cup break and it will be him resigning. But I prefaced that and gave a caveat there saying it depends on this where they are before when the World Cup break comes. And the way it looks like they're going to be at is within top four, uh, inside top four, uh, and that the team is is starting to perform uh, when they when they and have and has overcome adversity, and they have their uh, their attack is still not good enough, but defensively they are outstanding. Seven goals conceded in thirteen games. That's the best in the Serie A, if I'm not mistaken. I have. And I just. I do have to caveat that that seven goals. Now they were overperforming their expected goals against by almost double earlier on in the season. They, although I have to say they had the defense has improved a lot in recent games, but they have. You know, they should have conceded a lot more. They. They. they well, they, they have. Well, that's that's fair enough. But they haven't got. They, they haven't, and they haven't delivered, played good football, and they haven't won, been good enough. But they've overcome their difficult period. I think you can say that when you win four games in a row and one of them is against Inter. Yeah. Um, that they are in they're in form now and they've done so by 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 playing a 3-5-2, by playing in low blocks, by playing um by being compact and they've got outstanding. I mean when Allegri said that this Juventus was born to play counter-attacking football, I agree with him. I think he's absolutely right. Their expected goals against this season by the way, Juventus is 14.74 and they've conceded mm. seven. So it's over double. They're expected goals against. I mean, that was Perrin was magnificent actually in yeah. the early weeks of the season, and a lot of people actually feel he should 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 have been the Juventus number one. And should you know he should have kept his place when Chesney came back. So yeah, I would. I think we that 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 needs to be taken into account. That's fair that, enough. But yeah. uh, but the, I agree with that. Um, but at the end of the day, you have the best defense in the Serie A. You now have a defense, and you know what your defense is. You know what your lineup is. You've got. Pogba, Vlaovic, Chiesa, Di Maria, all coming back from injury after the World Cup. You're 10 points off Napoli, if I think, if I'm not mistaken. You're back in the race for top four. Um, You have a month, two months to recalibrate and work on that. And then you have a January window where you can work and try to strengthen. I'm not saying that Juventus are winning the Serie A title. Absolutely not. That would be ludicrous to say. But I wouldn't count them out. I'm not counting them out. I think Juventus and are are outsiders now. Napoli are the clear favourites. We're going to get to them. I think it's a two-horse race between them and Milan with Juventus the possible third horse. Unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately, I think Allegri is going to stay now. Um, I think this, this win... Guarantees that, uh, and oh, Yelly, he's definitely staying. And Yelly, he's definitely and, staying. And Yelly, uh, and Yelly doesn't sack mid-season. He, he's he's always he never has. He's always said that that he doesn't, um, which is an outdated way of working. But here's what it is. Personally, I would still, I would still uh, bring in someone new. Uh, I think that you know this four-match winning run, uh, even the win last night is despite Allegri. It's not because of him. You know, a lot of these, ah, come a on. lot of these things were forced on him. He's only playing the youngsters because he was forced to. So he can't. Yeah, take but any he credit. still did it. 
Well, <laughs> well he didn't have a choice. <laughs> we we had this discussion last week. Of course he had a choice. He could have played McKenney yesterday. I mean, he could have played... McKenney's injured. I know. No, well, I know, but you know what I mean. He could have played... Well, he could no have one played. else. There's no one else. They don't have anyone else. They're all, they're all mm. injured. You know, yeah, anyway. but at the same time, he, he could have played a 4-4-2, but he didn't. He played a 3... Like, he, he can't just well, he still constantly does in bash. In defensive, position, in defensive phase, he still does play a 4-4-2. Oh, okay. my God. But, okay. uh, no, you have you can't like because everyone does that. It's fluid. Uh, even Spalletti, when when you know changes between there. Look, it's 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 you can't just take a dump on Allegri. You got to give credit where credit is due. And yes, he's done things the a very outdated and old fashioned and um, you know roundabout way to get to where he is. But what I saw yesterday against Inter wasn't just a win. And they were lucky, and he said it himself. We were lucky in the first half, and they were. But I also agree with what Simone Inzaghi says. I don't believe in luck. You just have to do better. And yeah. Juve did better well, I'll, Listen, I'll give Allegri credit when I see them challenging up near the top um, and doing what they should be doing and not mm. getting knocked out of the Champions League with three points after six games. And that's when I'll start yeah. giving them credit. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to give him that's... credit after a... After he wins just one game, a game. No, I'm which... I'm not giving him credit after just one game. No, I'm, I'm saying, just saying this is a... even, the in this game was one point two to Juventus and one point seven to Inter. So you know, I'm not saying Juventus played a bad game; they played a good game, but they were lucky, still a bit lucky to win this game. I think a draw. But this is moment, what that's what I mean. That's what yeah, but that's fair enough. But my point, but but as as Simone Inzaghi said, and I agree with him, and I thought that was very good. You know, very self-critical of him, say that look, I don't believe in bad luck and good luck. You just have to do better. Yeah, we have to do better. And I agree yeah. with that. And sure, you know, and I think Allegri's done really, really well. And I think he stays. And I think he's, I started doubting him for sure on this podcast saying maybe, you know, the thing it's looking so dreary and horrible that maybe he should leave. But sometimes you got to hit rock bottom before you can go upwards. And Juventus mm-hmm. have hit rock bottom and now they're going upwards and they will finish in the top four. There's no doubt about it in my, in my mind that they will. I don't think they're going to, as I said, they're an outsider with an outside chance to 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 get involved in the Scudetto race, but but they they are they, there is something there. This is you know they, 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 there is something there, and you can't take that away from him. And he has been able to steer this Juve from chaos back to on the right path. Mm, okay, well let's move on to to Inter, who have veered away from the path after a good run of form. They they lose. Um, so I've got three segments on an Inter. First of all, what went wrong in this game? Well, what went wrong is what I feel I've I feel like I'm I feel like many times when I talk about Simone Inzaghi's Inter and Inter these last two years, it feels like Groundhog Day. I feel like Bill Murray. Because again, you cannot clear create these chances, these these clear chances, and not even and get only get one of these chances on target, and 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 that is the poorest finish of them all. Starting with Lautaro Martinez, I think his two his two chances. Um, I mean, the first one, it was fair enough. He probably should have got that on target, even if it would have been blocked, maybe by Fajoli, whatever. But it, does, but it, but it's a larger point, and the larger point is, he wants to be the symbol of this Inter, and I think he's individually, technically, definitely good enough to be that. But in order to be that person, 
You have to also deliver when it matters. You have to score when you're given the chance in tight games. You can't have this ratio of having needing four or five chances a game to score one, two goals. It just doesn't work that way at this level. You have to be more cynical and clinical. And he isn't so far, unfortunately. Um, and and that's, that's, you know, that, that, that's something he needs to work on. And I thought that we had passed this stage in his development, but clearly not. He's taken a step back. Secondly, it's not Edin Dzeko's fault that he needs to, that he's the starting number nine at Inter. That is Steven Jang, Beppe Marotta, and, and they're Suning's fault. That's collectively the management's fault. But my God in heaven, why, I mean, this man is so finished. He cannot, the way, his, he, he looks to play in, 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 in slow motion. When he his movement, it looks like it literally looks like like that cartoon from I think it was Zoopolis of the people working at the DMV, the Department of Motor Vehicles, and they're working like in ultra slow, and they're like like it, it's it's bizarre the way that he moves, how slow he moves. I have no idea con- what you're talking about, but I you, still have you find not it seen funny. that? Have, yeah, have you not seen it's a it's a cartoon? I can't remember what the cartoon is called. It's called Zootropolis, I think. It's a city run by animals, a cartoon, and and what and the people working at the department is it underground. No, it's a car. It's a Disney cartoon, I think, mm. and and the people working in 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 the department of motor vehicles are these sloths. <laughs> That's how it looks, and they move really slowly. That's how it looks when Jekyll plays, uh, when he moves with the ball, and that again, that's not you know that's not his fault. He shouldn't be there. Uh, that's on Inter, um, and probably Simone should have started Joaquin Correa. And also, thirdly, Denzel Dumfries, man. Like we know that he's an athletic player. He's a useful player in in terms of if you're you know for, for we've seen what he does for the for Holland for the Netherlands. But he's not good enough for Inter. And his individual, his country, he has he has he has the worst technique of a of any wing back in all of the top top sides in all of the top leagues in Europe. You can't name me one wing back. In, in such an important position in in the three five two, of someone who has a worse technique than this guy does, with the ball, his first touch makes my eyes bleed. It makes me want to gouge my eyes out with a wooden spoon. This man is paid. This is a professional footballer, and he controls the ball like a toddler. Um, and and that miss, it's just it's symptomatic of that. It's not just the miss. Um, he is, I mean, defensively, he's all right. He does well. He works really hard. He has, you know, what he make, what he lacks up for, uh, his, you know, his proponents would say what he lacks up for in technical ability, he makes up for when, in terms of his mentality and his work rate. And that, that's true. He's easy. He, he never gives up, but he's not good enough. Um, in, and, and he can't beat his man to save his life. He, his crossing is abysmal. His first time crosses are, are, are a joke. Um, and Inter are, and when you and, and, and you know an Inter are side and Inter don't have any players that can beat their man, you know it's as simple as that. Denzel Dumfries can't beat his man, so he's relying on balls being crossed uh, behind the defense so he can run in diagonally. Um, if if or if he's in the box to win to win it in the air, but that those those three things that, that's what went wrong. The second thing that I went that went wrong was Simone Inzaghi's substitutions. His read of the game was was again abysmal. Bringing Hakan Chalanoglu off in that situation, 
and Federico Di Marco means two things. You have no one who can produce a decent set piece. You have no one on the pitch that can deliver those important diagonal cross balls. You have no one who can de- who can who can deliver high quality who can deliver at a high quality into the box, and you lose a lot of passing as well, um, especially with Chanaloglu. He went to a three four two one. Joaquin Correa came on. I mean, he offers absolutely nothing. Um, he had a good pass, though. I must say, he was one of the better players when when he plays yesterday against the Ubert. Um But still, we we I'm I'm tired of beating this dead horse. He is he is he's a glorified futsal player. That's what he is. Um, he can't play consistently at this level without getting injured. He's never. I can't even remember the last time, if ever, he scored double figures in his career a season. Um, and Inter, and that in a situation where Inter can't afford to spend that kind of money and not um, be a dud. And speaking of that, Robin Gorsens, what was that? I mean, he wants to play, but what kind of a performance was that? Hmm. And and it's again, you know, these things. Or it's 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 like the perfect storm. All of these things at once. But from the other side, and the Scudetto race. Let's be honest. Inter are out of the Scudetto race. Inter haven't have the objectives for Inter from now on is finish in the top four, win the Supercoppa, get to the quarterfinal of the Champions League, and try to get as far as you can in the Coppa Italia, maybe even win it. Those are the objectives. Um, and it turns out that you have to that that when it <laughs> that you actually have to invest and overhaul and improve your squad during the summer vastly and not take so slight the- steps sideways or upwards okay. as Inter have now for th- three, four uh, windows in a row. Okay, well, just um, to come in there, just to come in there. So you, you've mentioned about the, um, the, the the objectives for the season, obviously. The, you know, they're, they're not probably not what they were at the start of the season, certainly in terms of Serie A. Um, you know, we have to ask the question, is Inzaghi the right coach for Inter looking long-term because, you know, they lost the Scudetto last season when they should have won the Scudetto. There's no doubt about it. I'll say it until I'm blue in the face. Inter had the best squad, the best team last season. Uh, and I would say by, but by a, a, not a significant amount, but by enough of an amount that they should have won the league. There's no doubt about that for me. That was a fa- that was a failure by Inzaghi, not winning the league. Whether you want to blame him or you want to blame the players or whoever you want to blame, Inter should have won the Scudetto last season. This season, we're in November, the first week of November and Inter are already 11 points off the top of the table. They've already lost five games, five games by the start of November. Seven games they've lost in all competitions. I mean that that's that's pretty concerning. Too many too many got way too many goals conceded. 19 they've conceded in Serie A already. And that's the most the most amount of goals conceded by a team in the in the top half of Serie A uh, along with that Salernitana. 19 goals. And and as has been cited a lot everywhere, the big game record of Inter this season is is terrible. They lost to Mil- they lost all four of their big games against direct rivals. In, in Serie A, to Milan, to Juventus, to Roma, to Lazio. And in the Champions League, they lost home and away to Bayern. So the only big game that they've won this season is against um, Barcelona, which, you know, let's be honest, they were lucky to win because they should have had a penalty given against them well, in the last they, minute. they were unlucky not to win it away. So, okay, I mean, we can say, we can I say mean, they were... It kind of equals we, itself out. Well, we but can look. say they were unlucky, yeah, but, but still, you know. So what, you know, what is the issue in the big games? And... The bigger question is, is Inzaghi still the right coach for Inter? 
Alan Ginzaghi is the only coach for Inter right now because there are no other alternatives available on the market right now. The only other coach which I think could come in and take over this side and, and get something out of them is, is Ivan Juric. But he can't coach to the same, you can't coach to the two teams in the same Serie A season. Um, but more importantly, he's got the players behind him. Um, and I I think there is, there is, you need to analyze those defeats. I think against Milan, they were lucky not to be outplayed. They were dreadful. Lazio, same thing. Um, unwatchable. The first half against Juve, Milan, Inter played good. Inter really, Inter should have gone into that lead score, having at least scored twice. But so it's an individual thing. And with Roma, uh, that was in, that was that, that was the turning point. Inter played really well. They didn't deserve to lose. But having said that, they still lost. And that, as I, you know, at Inter, at Milan, at Juve, you cannot. You're not allowed to play to lose five games in 13 Serie A matches. It's it's absolutely unacceptable. You have to get a few of those into uh, into the draw column. Um, and yeah. and that is on him. And again, I was criticizing his, his in-game management, what he, what he did with, with Chalonoglu. But the biggest the biggest issue is this. He was counting on Romelu Lukaku. That, that was their big marquee signing. He was supposed to carry in there this season. Um... He Romelu Lukaku has played less than Paulo Dybala. Okay, let that sink in. Paulo Dybala has played more and scored more and been more involved than Romelu Lukaku this season. And then you have you also have the situation with Handanovic, which he had to resolve, which he resolved, which he fixed excellently without alienating and pissing anyone off. Now Onana is the starter. Handanovic has accepted his role, and. He was handed, I mean, he's been handed so many shit sandwiches that he's had to deal with and he's had to swallow and fix for Inter time and time and time again. So I think he's done the best that he could have done in terms of, you know, all things considered. But there is no doubt, don't get it twisted, there is no doubt whatsoever that this seven seven defeats already by November is simply unacceptable. The results are unacceptable. Then you can go into why and so on. But I got to say, when when Inter lost to Roma, one thing that speaks for him, when Inter lost to Roma, they went on and had a fantastic month. Now they've lost the first game of November. He's got two games, which if he wins both, then that buys him time. That buys the the the, the team peace of mind because if they beat Atalanta, they're equal with Atalanta, and Atalanta are I think second or third right now. Fourth. So fourth. fourth. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, they're they're on all they're all on on like within three points. So that that's that that becomes incredibly important. How do they react? So far, when there's been a crisis, the team has reacted, and I think in a few days, by the end of this week, we will know where we are. But whether or not he's the right coach, I don't think I don't I can't think of any other coach that could have done better than with this squad than he has in terms of overall play, the kind of football they want to play, the the level of the football they want to play. The results have not been acceptable at all. There's no doubt about that. I think the concerning thing for me is that Inter seem to have these moments of mental fragility um, that they can be playing well in a game and they can look like they're not in any danger of conceding. I don't think I've seen a team concede so many goals in games where they don't really look like in danger of conceding. I, I remember that Arsenal, for a period of Arsenal, when they were under Arsene Wenger, used to be like this, where they were, looked like they were in total control in games. Probably, 
around about 2009, 2010 kind of period, where they were completely in control and dominant in games. But they had such this mental fragility that they could somehow throw away goals and throw away games when even when they're in total control. And I, I get a similar vibe from this Inter team, which is a weird thing because this Inter, unlike that Arsenal team, this Inter team's full of leaders and international captains and wrong Th- That's a very good point. That's a very good point. I don't understand, I don't understand it either because it happened under Antonio Conte as well. You know, there's this famous clip of him, I think it was away against Parma, when they were cruising. And and he was suspended. He wasn't allowed to be on the pitch. I think it was after his famous rant against Maresca. Sembre du, Maresca. Sembre du. And he was suspended the following game against Parma away. And he's sitting there on the stands. And he's like, he's in agony. He's in physical pain because they're about to throw away two, uh, two points. And, and they conceded out of nothing. This is an inter-illness. Mazzari used to, you know, even though he had a horribly, much worse squad, was also... I remember him talking about you. Why do we keep throwing points away? This is something that Inter have been doing for better part of the last decade, ever since Jose Mourinho left um, after the treble. This has been an illness. But if you at look Inter at the first half, you look at the start of the second half. You know, actually, I actually thought Inter were playing in their best period of the game, and yeah. not necessarily in chances created, but in terms of being packed inside the final third yeah. of, of Juventus, and Juventus just couldn't get out and. You know, they really were completely taking a stranglehold of the game. And then out of nothing, you know, they get... Well, because they hesitate. Because they hesitate. They they lack that kind of meanness and cynicism um, that Conte was was fuming about and, and was able to, you know, beat it into them. For example, why does Barella, Barella not... Why is Barella and Chalanoglu... Why are they hesitating when, with that ball? Uh, why not foul Kostic? Take a tactical foul. Hmm. Like... You know, Bergomi was was screaming about it last night um, on Club Calcio and Sky. Same as uh, Di Canio, saying, you know, what's going on here? Um, Di Canio was blaming Simone Inzaghi's communication skills. And I think that is closer to, I think that is the problem. I don't think he communicates well enough in games um, and to the players for him to, I think that's where it lacks. Because he's got them behind in terms of, the, the kind of cynicism to make them understand that in that situation, I want you to be resolute, but mm. that that's the problem there. And that kind of creates, and also this, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. You make one mistake, you're punished severely by it every single time. And it becomes this kind of truth, a self-fulfilling truth within that. And again, this is something we've seen for the last 12 years since Mourinho left. That it's it's like when it's impossible to lose, they somehow manage to lose, uh, or, or or concede, and you're wondered thinking what is going on. And it can't only be, you know, the manager's fault. It can't only be the players' fault, or it can't just be the manager's yeah. fault. There's got to be something else, and 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 that something needs addressing. But the problem is, Sooning are refuse to sell without turning a profit, and I wonder when they do sell if there's going to be anything left of Inter, if this continues. This team needs investment now. It's as simple as that. They need, this squad needs investment. It's first team players that walk right into the starting lineup to be signed now. Suning can't do that. But instead want to do another another song, another episode of the famous Gotta End the Summer with a Net Transfer Profit of X Million Euros dance, song and dance. <laughs> I mean, okay. are you serious?
Well, look, talking about talking about singing and dancing, there was only one team in Rome that was singing and dancing uh, yesterday, and that was Lazio, who who won the derby. Um, winner from Felipe Anderson after yet another disastrous error in the derby. It's not the first time that he's cost his team the derby, but from uh, Rafael Ibanez, it's cost him a place in Brazil's World Cup squad as well that was announced today. Um, let's start off with Lazio from the Lazio point of view because um, they turned what could have been a, an absolutely horror week into into uh, a much better week by winning this because they got knocked out of the Europa League in um, in on Thursday night losing to losing to Feyenoord in a, in quite a controversial game and they um, and they but they won the the big one uh, against Roma so. Yeah, what did you make of, uh, of... Let's start with Lazio. What did you make of Lazio? Um, Romagnoli and Casale. I mean, <laughs> Sarri drives me crazy. Um, because one one game, his defence, the defence that he puts out there for Lazio is just so damn good. You're thinking, they will. this team is just... They play like a big side, they'll never concede. And then they end up, you know, they go and concede five goals to Mithjuland and or lose to Feyenoord and, and end up playing in the Conference League. Um and, and we do weird things like that. Um, again, Romagnoli and Casale were outstanding. Uh, Marusic is so so good. I really like him, and he and he, he's such a useful and loyal player. He fits in pretty much everywhere that you want him to play. You want to play him in midfield. You want to play him as a right wing back. He just does it. And of course, Prevedel. I think we can say it's been the since like the. The surprise of the season. No one, I mean, who expected Provedel to be to be a say, uh, Italian national team goalkeeper? And again, um, you know, the 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 that 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 front three um, reminds me of of it's like a poor man's Insigne, Callejon, and Mertens, uh, Philip Anderson playing as a false nine. Um, and and it's no, it's he's he's they they he was it was another tactical win for 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 Sarri for sure, and to do so without Immobile and Milinkovic Savic, which are their only you know one of them for sure is a world class player in Milinkovic Savic, it's incredibly impressive. Um, but no, it's it's just it's yeah, just I think uh, I think the, so the, impressive. Yeah, I think that, first of all, Lazio you have to give a lot of credit. No. Milinkovic Savic, Noe Mobile, they're two most influential players and they still won this game, which is which is an achievement in itself. Philippe Anderson got the winner. I think he's done a, a great job filling in for Immobile as a false nine. It's not his position. Um Lazio's defence, like you said, magnificent. Romagnoli was <laughs> definitely mad. What's going on? He was he was <laughs> a, he was he was really he won everything in the air. He was positionally perfect. He was really up for it, as you'd expect as a you know, given that he's he's Lazio through and through, him and Casale, they put, put you know they've got together a really good partnership. Abraham again will come to him. Didn't get a kick. I think talking about underrated players, grossly underrated players. Marusic is massively underrated, massively underrated player. Uh, he he defends so well. Barely let any crosses in at all. Every mm-hmm. single cross Roma tried to put in, he he blocked everything. Uh, and yeah, I mean, thirteen Serie A games, eight clean sheets in Serie A. Um, you know, it's fantastic. And Provadel has been, like you said, he's been such a calming influence. And he's such an incredible story as well, Provadel. You know, he actually, did you know that he was actually a forward until he was 15 years old, Provadel? Which is an incredible story to think that a player can start becoming a, a goalkeeper at the age of 15. 
and and uh, and you know make it to this level, you know, to become one of the best goalkeepers in Serie A and get a call up to the Italy national team. And he's he's actually half Russian. His mum is Russian, uh, and his grandmother used to be a, a close friend of the Levyashin in the family, <laughs> the, the legendary the Soviet Soviet goalkeeper, one of the greatest goalkeepers of, of all time. And so I think he's how close were they? I mean, that's what I, well, exactly. <laughs> I think that's the question, is it? I mean, is there you know, did his grandma? How well did his grandmother know Levyashin? Exactly. Yeah, how close? How good of a friends were you? Yeah, um, yeah. Because no, he's certainly taken something from it. From no, the, it's it's in, it's crazy. Um, how good he's been. I mean, to me, he's been the signing of the season so far. No other, and what I mean by that is no other player. If you look at the expectation when he was signed and what he's delivered, the, the distance between those two, there's nothing bigger well, than no, that. No, he was signed to be the second choice goalkeeper. Yeah. At, at and, and, he no only got, comes... and he only got his opportunity because of... Um, the red card. Because of it just, just goes to show sometimes in football and, and in life, really, how every, yeah. sometimes things really timing. are... Just, yeah, timing. Everything Sliding doors, isn't it? You know, Sliding if he doors, hadn't yeah. got sent off, if he'd have played that game, would he have ever got his chance? Would he? And did he know? take his chance when he when he got that game? When he got that chance? I mean, it's it's all of those things, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's amazing. But we have to move on to Roma. Um, of course, it's it Rafael Ibanez because because you know, I said Roger, of Roger, ago, you, you, you got to get his. his why am I calling him Rafael? Who's Rafael? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Who's I don't Rafael? Know why you Rafael? Why am I calling him Rafael Ibanez? I'm googling Rafael Ibanez. But but there must be a look, re- there must be a Freudian yeah. reason why I'm calling yeah, him. Yeah, I'm sure. Rafael I'm sure Ibanez. it is. Look, there, I, you a, know, Rafael Ibanez was a French rugby union international, right? Oh, okay. okay, okay, maybe that's I why. I don't know anything about egg chasing. Uh, I don't watch <laughs> it because it's first of all, it's not a ball; it's an egg-shaped thing. Anyway, yeah. let's let's leave that. Um, Roger Ibanez. Look, how many times have you heard me <laughs> criticize him on this pod? I mean, he is just not good enough. And and I know that he the fact that he was going to be you know were, were, people were talking that oh Mancini should have called him up to Italy and Brazil no he is not good enough he's he's not good enough for Roma and I'm not basing that off of that off of just that result just just off of that performance um, it, it, it's it's just his he does he's he's he crumbles under pressure mm. he his his lowest level is Serie B level. Um, he struggles to maintain a mediocre, consistent, consistently mediocre level. Um, individually, he's all over the place when he's under pressure. Um, when he's not under pressure, he somehow finds a way to screw situations up. I'm sorry, Roma is a too big of a club for him. This is too high of a level for him. He's not good enough. And equally, I, when I say that I was right, I have to do a mea culpa. Gianluca Mancini was a player that I expected a lot out of. I'm giving up on him now. What was that? What yeah. in God's name was that? I mean, he's a complete liability. I wonder yes. if this man is mentally ill. I genuinely wonder if he has mental health issues. What his behavior is that of someone who he, he has no boundaries. He, he definitely, he, he definitely, he definitely. You know, I don't want to take mental health. No, lightly, I'm not. But you know but, what I mean. Like he has, he has he no has, control. Yeah, no he has, control. He, he definitely, he definitely has uh, issues, like like anger issues or something, because he he, cannot, he really does. He, he cannot control himself. I, mean, I I I said it after. Do you remember when Roma won the Conference League last season? Mm. And during the celebrations, he was acting like an absolute idiot, like a complete like social like psychopath. 
in the celebrations mm. where he was slapping around one of the young Roma youngsters. I think it was, was it Felix Jan? I think it was. Yeah, I think it was uh, Jan. I think, yeah. it was, I think it was him. And he was slapping him around, like bullying him in the celebrations. I was thinking, what the hell are you doing? I mean, the guy is, he... I, He's it, a nutter. He's yeah, a nutter. He like He's he has no impulse control whatsoever. He yeah. he he's dirty as hell. Yeah. Um, and he, and I think being he was, dirty he was like is a good thing. Get, he was like he but was trying to thing. get himself it, sent off. It, it, but yeah. that's the thing. Being dirty as a central defender, I think, is a good thing if you do it in the intelligent way. Like you see, like Paolo Montero used to be the king of this. Mm. Do it in the intelligent way. Mancini does it because he has no impulse control. No control over his emotions. He could he could easily I can easily see Gianluca Mancini turning around and headbutting the referee. Like it, it wouldn't surprise me. No, seriously. There's nothing about him that surprises me. And it's such a shame because I was expecting so much from him. I really liked the player I saw playing for Atalanta. I really did. But nah man. When yeah. I mean look at what Mourinho did last night. He had yeah, to but, take I mean, him off. Coming, yeah, he had to. But I mean, and, and that didn't help Roma at all. But I mean, coming back to Ibanez, I mean, I think you're being a little bit unfair. I mean, he's not Serie B level, but I think... No, I, I said when he's think... at his worst. I said when oh, he's right, at his, okay. lo- he's his lowest worst. level. Yeah, yeah, his lowest level well, is Serie when B. he's at his lowest... Well, when he makes those mistakes, he's at Sunday League level. I mean, those days, he makes <laughs> he makes Sunday League level mistakes. I mean, that I mean that is the problem with him because I, I think I have watched him closely this season. He has definitely improved his overall game. And yes, his, it has, but it's not good His game good has improved a lot. He's good, very good in the air. He's good at interception. He's very good at bringing the ball out um, from defence. He's quick. He's you know he has improved a lot. Um, but unfortunately, for as long as he's making these, and a lot of the times that that error that he made yesterday, like the one that he made in the, the derby last year when Immobile scored, they're un, unenforced errors. Yeah, they're no, unforced not, errors. They're un, unattacked. You know, There's no. He creates a yeah. situation that isn't a situation. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of the reason for his development, I think it's because he's got a rock in Chris Smalling behind him next to him. Yeah. I think yeah. he's got this, this absolute pillar of calm and quality behind him uh, who... who who raises his who gives him so much you know who who can who allows him to raise his level but he's mm. not good enough and neither is Gianluca Mancini and that is a problem that is genuinely a problem and I don't know what Marash Kumbula is doing on on during training because he's he's never like it's they have a they have to strengthen his numbers are good this season I mean I'm looking at his numbers now he's top five for for interceptions he's top five for ball recoveries, um, um, if I look at his aerial challenges, I'm sure he, he'll be pretty quite. He'll be pretty reasonably high. I mean, his numbers are good. He's got his numbers are up there with the best, you know, with the best in, in for defenders in, in Serie A. But he has these brain farts where he just makes un- inexplicable, just huge errors like this, especially in big games. Uh, and you can't do that as a top level defender. Uh, and you know, so until he until he sorts out and cuts out these errors, he's not going to make it. To the you know to the top, but he's, he's yeah, never it's, it's a shame because he top. cost he cost Roma the game. He he cost he cost them the match this game, and 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 you know Roma 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 were, were bad in this game. Let's be honest, they were awful in attack. They, I mean, they barely created a, a single chance all game. They were so toothless. Their only real danger was when Saniolo hit the bar, but that was only through a deflection. Uh, and you know, Abraham, his confidence, as we said, is so low right now. You can see how low his, his confidence is. Um, you know, Pellegrini done his hamstring. That's another injury. I mean, Roma's injuries are piling up. They've already got Dybala out. Um, and, you know, you look at their attack. They've scored 16 goals in 13 games in Serie A. I mean, that, that's abysmal. I mean, early in the season, they were actually, to be fair, creating a lot of chances, but they just weren't finishing. Now, 
they're not creating. And it's been increasingly getting like this since Dybala's been out, especially. They've just stopped, they've stopped creating chances uh, in Serie A. And Mourinho admitted this um, at the end of the game, didn't he? He said that the, that yeah, the attack is a problem. Much. And he went all out attack at the end of the game, just threw everyone on, kind of like what he did against Ludo Goretz. And against Ludo Goretz, he kind of got away with it. Zaniolo and, and Volpato. Volpato wasn't so good in this game. But he was really good against Ludo Goretz. You know, but he's 18 years old. I mean, you know, you, you can't... You, you can't. But I thought Zaniolo was okay. Um, mm, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think he was good, but I thought it was okay. He was okay um, at most. But I mean, it just looks so disjointed in attack. Yeah, in the, really at did. this point, at this point, honest to God, I'd, I'd bench Tammy Abraham and I'd start Belotti. Because at least Belotti works hard and creates space for others. <sighs> I don't know what Tammy Abraham offers right now. I really don't. But let's be honest, Belotti's been awful as well at Rome. I mean, well, yeah. He's been dreadful. But, let's be honest. Yeah, how many goals he's Tam- won? Well, how much has he played this season? I mean, that's the thing. Tammy Abraham is the starter and he can't score. He just simply can't score. And I think maybe it's time to bench him and see if he can take it because it's every every striker every in every striker's career at this level you have you have bad patches and may sometimes you need to fight for your place and find that hunger and rediscover it re, you know recalibrate your yourself mentally look at what you used to do when things went well and and there should be i mean for roma's sake there should absolutely be a fight for for those spots mm. yeah. it's be good for roma that, that that they're fighting for a starting spot my yeah. is my point yeah, therefore, is that I mean, it's 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 top four now for Roma. That's that's that mm. can be their only aim. Um, let's move on to the, the the top of the table now. And Napoli, Napoli increased their lead at the top now to to, to six points. It, it was five because it was first against second. Uh, Napoli traveling to Bergamo, uh, no Karatskalia, and so you know I've said all season that every single question that's been thrown uh, and they asked of, of Napoli, they've always had the answer for it. And this was the first time this season. The, the well in a big game in a, in a tough game that they were they, you know they were without their star man Kvaratskhelia and yet they still won they still won and I actually thought to be honest with you I I think probably let's be honest a draw probably would have been fair in this result I thought that mm. Atalanta Atalanta were unlucky Atalanta were unlucky I think Atalanta gave Napoli the toughest game they've had um, this season and I would even include the loss to Liverpool in the Champions League because that was a kind of a weird game that they lost in midweek it weren't really they were played in second gear and. They kind of, you know, they weren't really. By the end, they they, they were they weren't really trying at the end, and they just lost it with two late goals of corners. But this game, you know, Atalanta really went at them, and they deservedly went ahead, one you nil. Know, got a deserved lead, uh, but you know, Napoli again, they just showed incredible strength, mental strength, and I think that's the difference between this Napoli team that they, they they showed that, you know, when the chips are down, when when when, the, when everything's going against them, they can react, and they did straight away. I mean, they 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 equalized almost immediately. Uh, and then they won it almost, you know, they got the second goal almost straight after that as well. And it was down to that, you know, two clinical finishes, but it was all down to that man, Victor Ossiman. You know, he he he's now, we said it last week, he it adds the extra dimension that Napoli missed even throughout this brilliant run when he missed a lot of it through injury. He's come back in now. And what is it, eight goals he's got now this, this season? Uh, was it nine? And I mean, he's... Um, he's I think it's uh, he's got he's the top goal scorer in the Serie A. He's got eight goals mm. now. I mean, he's not he's played nine games, nine Serie A matches, scored eight goals. And people yeah. say that you know, they, and people criticize him. Look, um, 
the problem with him has always been um, the consistency, not in how in games, games, some games for sure, but mainly because he's always been injured. And a lot of those injuries have, have are not his fault. I mean, breaking his face against Milan Skriniar's blockhead is not something I would. <laughs> you can kind of, you know, you can't avoid or, or you know, you, something. It's not something you can foreshadow and try to avoid it. So. Mm. You know, a lot of these injuries have been like that, but now he's not injured and he's firing on all cylinders. And he is. There's, I mean, who's the who's a better number nine than him right now in the Serie A? I mean, how many seasons have we been saying this? I think he's the most complete number nine in the Serie A. I think he's he's starting to now de- show, express all of those qualities, and he is a world class player when he's at his best. I mean, he's yeah. just unplayable. The thing that what he's been missing until now is is the consistency, like you said, but also, you know, he gets injured. He's been getting a lot of injuries. And that, that is always going to be a little bit of a concern with his style of play and his frame. He's quite, uh, you know, he's quite leggy and quite elasticy the way that he plays. And that, I think that can lend itself to possibly to injuries, not just the style of play. Um, so that that is a concern, but also his finishing. Like he, his finishing is is up and down. It's hot and cold, and maybe that's where the consistency the consistency point is most valid. You know, sometimes he can be a devastating finish where he, you know, he scores a puts in a finish like the one against Roma, which was barely even a quarter of a chance. You know, from the angle, and you just think, wow, ooh, just explosive goal like that. And then he'll have, you know, quite easy finishes, quite simple finishes, and he just won't get the right connection. And you know, even in the early starts of this season. You know, if you if you take it back a few weeks, he was way underperforming his XG. He was like half, like fifty percent of his XG. And now I'm looking at it right now, and his XG is eight point zero eight, and he scored eight goals. So he's he's caught it up, and that's because he's been finishing chances in the last few weeks that are, you know, he he's been overperforming. You know, like that chance against Roma. I said, you know, even the header was fantastic. Header against uh, to equalise against Atalanta. That wasn't that wasn't an easy chance. It was behind. You know, he was behind him, and he, and he, you know, it was brilliant finish. Um, you know, so he, he's he's he he's a he's a wonderful, wonderful player. Um, and I, he's yeah, he was the difference in this game. He definitely was a difference because I thought Atalanta played really, really well. Um, you know, I think Atalanta definitely deserved something out of this game. I'm looking at the xG, two point seven nine xG to Atalanta, one point seven to Napoli. So you know, Atalanta had the better chances in this game, and they, I mean, they hit the bar. Um, Hewland, I thought Hewland's really. I, I think he's going to be an excellent player. He's going to be. A, he's going to be. A, I don't know if he's going to be a top player, but he's got the potential to, to make it. To, uh, I think. Uh, I really like him. He's, he's only a teenager. I thought he was. He was really, really good. Um, Lukeman again, very impressive. He hit the bar as well. Um, you know, I, I think Atalanta should be proud of their performance. They, 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 they really did. They took it. They went a bit more old school, Atalanta, in this game, didn't they? Um, yeah, I mean that's that's kind of what we've seen Atalanta do this season. It's a different Atalanta. No, no, no. I mean they went back, to, but what I mean is they went back to their old ways. I mean they went. Oh, back you to mean the, like the, that? Yeah, they went back to the normal Atalanta. This game, we're more attacking. They took it yeah. to, to, to Napoli because in, because in Gasparini's intelligent. His read of the game is always intelligent. He knows that if you if you can't concede space to Napoli, uh, you have to put pressure on them. Um, yeah. Because he saw what Mourinho did, and and although that worked, he knows that well they're too individually too damn good. Because you saw what Osimhen did to Smalling, so you might as well go for it. Um, mm. And and I and I understand that. No, I, I thought you know it's the, the, this is the thing though. I mean, when you have when you've already taught the player, when you've got a system 
and you've taught the players how to play in that system, and and you you you, imp- you impose another system, another style within that system, it creates this kind of for the for the op- opponents this kind of uncertainty. You don't know who you what what to expect, um, and that, and that's a good thing. That's a flexibility, and that's a that's a ace in the hole for for Gasparini tactically to yeah. throw at teams. Yeah, I just want to also give a shout out to Spalletti for oh. picking picking Elmas to play in Kolarovsky's place. I mean, who the hell would have thought of that? I mean, I I looked at him, I thought, really, Elmas playing in Kolarovsky? I mean, it's not really his position, is it? Um, and and he scores the winner. <laughs> I mean, everything Spalletti's touching is turning to gold this season. He can't get he can't get anything wrong at the moment, mm. Spalletti. It's, it's unbelievable. And and I mean, yeah, six points clear now, almost. And they were almost were going to be eight points clear if it wasn't for that man Giroud again saving saving Milan with a with a winner right at the right at the end an incredible winner an incredible uh, acrobatic goal Francesco Totti like goal uh, wasn't it the the way that he finished that stunning um, absolutely stunning but I have yeah. to give a shout out before we get into this game Sandro Tonali scored a goal that was disallowed that was simply oh, I was magical. It was magical, and it was, it was, it was. I mean, I get why they disallowed it, but what a shot! This guy—you cannot give him an inch. Hmm. Uh, but of course, as we said, look, the man for the big occasion cometh the hour, cometh the man. Um, stupid of him to take off his shirt. I know we're going to talk about that. Uh, player of his experience should know better. But I, I stand by what I said—that um, I don't think he's ever been better in his career, physically, psychologically, mentally. He just. Everything about Olivier Giroud is just oozes confidence, belief, positivity, positive vibes. And you you don't score a goal like that unless you believe in yourself and you're in a good place. Um, he was outstanding. But now him we and Taylor... About so- for France, that he's the perfect guy to bring on as well. We yeah. need to force a yeah. goal. And that happened in this game. And he deserves to be part of the French squad, I think. I think he's shown that yeah. he absolutely deserves to be there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Giroud and Teo Hernandez will be suspended, but uh, in the midweek game. But Milan are only playing Cremonese, uh, so I mean, it yeah. shouldn't it shouldn't be too much of a loss. Um, the, the the one thing I do want to change uh, discuss about this game is I saw a few people tweeting about this, and I actually quite agree. You know, the rules are if you take off your shirt, you're automatically given a yellow card. And yes, of course, Giroud knew that, so he should have known better. But do you think? And I'll tell you what I think first. Do you think that yellow cards, um, th- this rule should be changed. Uh, I think it should be. I, 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 think it's, I think it's a ridiculous rule. I think that the one thing that we, that we, the reason why we all love football so much is the emotion. It's the raw emotion, the natural emotion. And when you score goal, there, there is no better feeling in the world, right? Anybody that, that, that plays football and scores a goal will tell you, it is the best feeling in the world. Uh, apart from maybe one other feeling, um, but it's, it's, the, it's the best feeling in the world. Is <laughs> the joint best feeling in the world is scoring a goal. When that ball hits the back of the net, honestly, it is the best feeling. Mm. And you lose yourself. You lose yourself. For a few seconds, you, you lose yourself in the moment. And especially when it's a winner, it's a last minute winner, and, you know, and, and you've scored an incredible winner like Giroud has, that, you know, you just instinctively, you just, you just lose yourself. And, and, you know, you want to bring joy. It's a joyous moment. You know, he takes off his shirt. Big deal. You know, absolutely. What is the big deal? They need to get rid of that rule. We don't want robots. I think it's a stupid rule. I think there is no, because the offense has to, the punishment has to fit the crime and the crime, quote unquote, the punishment, quote unquote, is what? Exposing his, his, uh, 
his body, his his upper torso to the world. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't understand what the problem is here. What well, is what is the offense? Well, what I'll is, tell you what it is. The reason I don't get why, it. Well, the reason why they they made this rule is because they wanted to stop players um, showing political messages. Show <laughs> on their Fair t-shirt. enough. Then change the law to say that if you show a sh- show show a shirt with a political message or something like that, then you get booked. Absolutely. That I can understand. But just to take off your shirt as a celebration is is bizarre. That the again the punishments have to fit have to fit the crime and yeah. all other instances of a yellow card. This is this is ridiculous. There is no yeah. crime. It's a victimless. It's a victimless activity. You know, it's it, most of them. They don't even have shirts under anymore. They've got that. You know top that, that bra thing that, that like sports Sanyo, like bra thing. Wears. <laughs> yeah not all of them wear it nowadays don't they i mean it's like uh, all of them wear that and and that's what they're wearing so I, I don't understand what what the problem is uh i genuinely don't see what the offense is the yeah. political message i get but again if you're going to have that then fine or what nicholas bentner did was it in euro 2008 Oh, when you advertise, when, he, when you advertise, yeah, Paddy something. Power or whatever it yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that boxer shorts or something. Like, yeah, or, yeah, it yeah. was a boxer shorts. Well, you see, I can understand if someone, I can understand if someone takes off their shorts in a game, then you know. Yeah, I, that's in. I, I, <laughs> I can understand. I did that once. I did that once in a game. Why I, I would lost, you do that? I lost the plot during the middle of a game as a referee. So you took off your shorts. No, the, the referee cheated us in a game. So, so I, I, so I stormed off the pitch, and as I was storming off the pitch, I ripped off my shirt first. And then for some reason, I took off my shorts as well. I don't know why. I, just, I don't know why I did it. Yeah. Oh my I, I, I honestly, I don't know why. I don't know. I think I was just going to get... I, don't, I actually don't know why I did it. Just, like I said, you lose yourself in the moment, but that is just a raw... That is the emotion of playing football. I mean, Davide you know? Nicola, David Nicola threw his shoe. So why not? <laughs> Which was yeah, well, Delivio did enough. it when, when celebrating Juventus winning the 1996 Champions League. He, he, he celebrated. He took off his shorts and he put them around his head. And, and, and yeah, <laughs> fair enough. But look, I'm, I, I, yeah. <laughs> just the little soldier. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, just quickly, rest of Serie A, we've gone way over. So I'm, gonna, I'm just going to have to, we're not going to have a chance to speak through any of this. One. Right. So Udinese won, Lecce won. That's six games without a win for Udinese. Empoli won. Sassuolo, Neil Baldanzi, a lovely little player. He scored the winner. Mm. Uh, Salernitana 2, Cremonese 2, Bologna 2, Torino 1. Pellegrini got injured after I three mean, seconds. <laughs> Shouldn't <laughs> laugh. But that that mean, must be a world record. That must that be a world is, record. <laughs> like, I give up. I give three up. Three seconds. Now. I mean, what is going on there? Uh, Sampdoria nil, Fiorentina 2. Uh, and Monza 2, Verona 0. Um, yeah, just we have to send our wishes to poor old Stefano Sensi. I mean, he, this, I this mean, kid just can't... Ca- I mean, his got, body... It's, it's yeah. his bo- when, when this happens time and time again, unfortunately, no matter how skillful you are, your body's saying that elite sports isn't for you. And I think it's a shame. I mean, again, Inter... Inter are <laughs> Christian Eriksen, Stefano Sensi. Like, um, you know, it, it's it's getting ridiculous now. Um, but yeah, it's they can't. The, the inter midfield curse continues, um, yeah. and yeah. Sensi is a wonderful player who, unfortunately, will, will never see fulfill his potential. Yeah, it's such uh, a I shame because think... he is a wonderful player. He really is. He, really he, is. he, he was, you know, he and that's why Mancini. What Mancini wanted to take him would have taken him to the Euros, wouldn't he? If he wasn't for mm. for the injuries. Um, okay, Serie A midweek. We're not going to go through these games because we haven't got time. But uh, we will obviously do the Thursday review. Yeah, we're going to talk about them fully. Most then. of these games, not including the Thursday ones. So we've got Napoli, Empoli, Spezia, Udinese, Cremonese, Milan on Tuesday. Lecce, Atalanta, Sassuolo, Roma, 
Fiorentina, Atalanta, Inter, Bologna, Torino, Sampdoria on Wednesday, and then Verona, Juventus, and Lazio, Monza on Thursday. Right. Um, just before we finish off with Badger and Prem Face of the Week, Champions League draw reaction. Mm. Um, really good draw for the Italians. Finally, we got a good draw. Every single year, we get the worst possible draws. We always get the most difficult teams. We finally got a good draw. Frankfurt against Napoli. Uh, Frankfurt will be at home for the first leg. Uh, Inter Porto, Milan, Tottenham. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they got pretty much... The, I mean, Napoli got pretty much as the best draw, almost the best draw they could have got. Inter got the best draw, in my opinion. No, I would have preferred. I would have rather prefer. I preferred to play Benfica than Porto. No, um, but Benfica are eight be, points clear at the top. Yeah, of they the are league, a fantastic side, and so but Porto, the way they play, is is difficult. Inter struggle against teams like that, um, that play that gritty and 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 that compact and and and. And and, and and annoy you. But you're not complaining. Come on. Come on. You're not, not complaining. I'm absolutely not. What? Yeah. No, no, no. In no gap. What? No, 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 no. Don't get it twisted. I'm not complaining about that draw. I'm saying that I would have rather have had Benfica. I think they would have suited Inter more. But it felt like in the stars with my compatriot, Mehdi Taremi, and of course my favorite non Serie A coach in the world, Serge Conceição. I love that man. The I coolest coach in the world. He's, the, no, he's, he's one he, cool he, I mofo. Love I love everything about him. I, he, is, I he is one cool mother. Well, did you see him celebrating with the, yeah. with the cigar? I yeah. Mean, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, this guy, every, but it's not just that that entire season, the way he does. I mean, to do it at Benfica, at their ground, uh, the way he does it, the way he fires up his players. I mean, every, I've got so many stories about Consist. I'm in love with that man. I just think he is, he is, he, <laughs> he has personality coming out of his, Napoli, Napoli, Napoli. That's a that's a great draw for Napoli against against against. I mean, to be honest, they would they they because they come top, they were likely to get a good draw unless they got PSG. But in previous years, Napoli would have got PSG uh, yeah. because that's just the way it always seems to roll for for Italian teams. But you know, it's nice for once. We can't complain this year. We always complain. The you know us Italians, we like to complain, but we this this year we finally got a good draw and, and Milan as well. I mean, Tottenham. Tottenham are not a good team. I'm sorry, they're not. I've watched a lot of them. They really aren't a good team. I mean, Look, Antonio Conte teams get better after. Yes, after that's Christmas. what I was going to that, say. That's the question. We that's can't what judge. I was say. We can't judge the teams as they are now. We have to judge them in February. But you know, Thank I look. You. But when I look at when I look at Tottenham player for player, I, I repeat what I've always said. I think they've got absolute world two world class attackers in Son and Kane. Uh, Perisic is absolutely fantastic, but he's going to be 34 by then, so he's getting on. Um, and apart from that, you know, I, I, I think that you know Milan, they've got nothing to they've got nothing to fear about this about this uh, Tottenham team. You know, Conte obviously will always be an X factor, but at the same time, it's Conte in Europe, and is he going to rotate in the Premier League the the weeks before? And you know, so I think it's you know again, I think all three teams can go through. I really, no, really I would ne- I've never said that. Through. I've never no, said that before no. in a, in a Champions League no, no. in a Champions League I, I, I think, team for I, a long I, I, time. I, I, I yeah. think you're right. I think you're right. I think all three, cha- all three have, a, and I tweeted as much before. I think all three chance, all three have a good chance to go through. I think Napoli have to go through to, against Frankfurt. I think you know, yes, Frankfurt are the Europa League winners, but Napoli are a better mm. side, and they've shown as much, and they should go through the quarters. Inter and Porto are evenly matched. Yeah, they 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 are evenly matched. It's a fifty fifty there, and I think form and injuries and all that, and if if Romelu Lukaku can finally be fit and yeah, play, yeah, that could be important. That could, yeah. No, it's decisive. He, you know, mm. he's, he, Inzaghi's playing a system that would suit Romelu Lukaku to a T, and instead he's playing a 37-year-old Bosnian granddad. 
So it's like, well, what is he going to do? Um, me and as for Tottenham, exactly this. Antonio Conte's teams usually hit form from February and onwards. And where are Milan there then? Um, so I think for me, I, I put Tottenham as slight, ever so slight favourites ahead of Milan. But it's fairly even there as well. And also another another good thing about this draw for the Italian teams is that four of the favourites meet against each other, which means two of the favourites are going to go out yeah, because Liverpool, Liverpool, Liverpool are playing Bayern and sorry 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 correction Liverpool are playing Real Madrid PSG yeah. are playing against uh, Bayern. against Bayern and that you know they're I mean along with Man City those are the those are the top five teams in the Champions League for me. Those yeah, teams. agreed. No, no, for me, um, it's City and City, PSG, Bayern. City plus those level. four. City plus those four, you know, yeah. so you're, you're knocking out two of those teams already, which gives the chance of, you know, you might get a good draw in the quarterfinals as well. And, and you know, this could be, never know, it could be the year of the underdog. Yeah. You know, it really could. I, how, how long have you heard me say that I think Napoli is an is, is the dark horse to go to the, to, to even win the Champions League? Mm. As a dark horse goes, not favorite, nothing like that. But I think the they are a dark horse. Yeah. Um, for Inter and Milan, I think a quarter final is would be fantastic. Achievement. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. But then, like I said, you don't know. See who you no. get in the ne- you see who you get in the next round. You, you know, and anything anything's possible. You know, it's, you never know. We, we get all three teams. We might get an all Italian quarter final. Oh my god, it's going to be Inter Milan, isn't it? <laughs> can you imagine more fireworks, please? <laughs> no thanks. No thanks. No thanks. Um, Europa League, you know, even in the Europa League and Conference League, we've got some good draws as well. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what's going on. Maybe UEFA, anti-Italian discrimination. Maybe I've got, we've got fruit <laughs> to them at last, you know. See, this is why we do it. This is why we yeah. do it. Um, Europa League, round of 32 draw. Um, playoff learned, draw, actually. Learned from Biscardi, have you? The, your <laughs> yeah. emoji, you Google that. Il processo di Biscardi. I'm telling you, always get yeah. your retaliation in first. That is, <laughs> that is the rule. Retaliation. The emoji school of dark arts. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, Juventus versus Nantes uh, and Roma versus Salzburg. I mean, to be fair, I'd actually probably put Salzburg as favourites for that time. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it, again, it could have been a lot worse. Uh, and they definitely would have definitely been with a chance. The funniest thing about the Europa League draw though, was Barcelona against Man United. I just pissed myself when I saw that draw and I pissed myself when I saw it and it was inevitable. It was going to happen. Xavi started complaining as he always does. Complaining. Well, we always get the toughest draw. It's not fair. I have to ask my question. I have to ask why. You know, I don't know if he's insinuating that, that the UEFA are trying to get Barcelona knocked out, but it's uh, that, that maybe. But in the Conference League, look, but that's also Braga, good because again, one of the favourites yeah. goes out in, for the for the Europa League as well, which is good for Juventus and, and Nantes, uh, yeah. Juventus and Roma. Yeah. yeah. No, the Conference League, Fiorentina, Lazio. I I want I want Lazio or Fiorentina to win this. I think they can. Mm. But I have um, a good team though. They're doing they well. They're, they're pretty much level with Porto in the yeah. in the in the Portuguese. They are, they are they're, a they're, 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 they're they're a decent team. That will that will be a that will be a difficult that will be a difficult game. For, yeah. for but Cluj is a team Lazio. It's a good be. draw. Yeah, it's a good draw for Lazio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. It's been we we can't complain. It's been it's been this has been the best draw for Italian teams that I can remember for a, yeah for a long for, time. I can't remember a better draw than this for years. Yeah. Not in the knockout round. I can't remember a better draw than this. So. Mm. Yeah, we have to we have to be happy today for that. Uh, okay, finish off with Badjo and Prem face of the week. We have nothing written down here. This is how well prepared we are. <laughs> no, um, we we do we do have. I've got Giroud. I've okay. got Giroud's bicycle scissor kick. Um, yeah. whatever it was, it was stunning. 
for me, and Tonali's disallowed goal. Go watch that again. Sweet. Yeah, I think it has to be Giroud. It has to be Giroud as bad show of the week, or not just because of his scissor kick, but also for what he did in Europe. Um, in, yeah. In the, the yeah against, that game, yeah against uh, Salzburg. Um, you yeah. Know, he took took yeah. Milan through. So I think we have to go. We have two to go goals, a brace, and an assist, or two yeah. assists. If I'm yeah. not Prem yeah. face. Uh, I definitely know one. I've definitely got one. Um, that's the guy on um, uh, Talk Sport. It's always Talk Sport, isn't it? Um, it's uh, what's his name? The guy that got three three women pregnant at the same time. What's his name? The Aston Villa striker. Um, that, um, Agbon, Agbon Lahore. Agbon Lahore. Yeah, he got three women. What? He got three women. Pre- yeah, the only hat trick he ever scored in his life. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus I did not know that. Yeah, he did. Uh, Google it. Google it. Yeah, uh, I'm sure you're right. I, I, yeah. Just, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he got three different that. women pregnant in the, in, the, in the same cycle. In the same. Uh, well done. The, yeah. <laughs> and they all had their kids in the same time. Oh, well. congratulations! <laughs> Group event. Yeah. The Agbon Lahores are giving birth. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, he said uh, he said PK uh, was not a great yeah, game. Yeah, that was so cringe. And Kevin Hatchard, a guy, a friend of mine, um, was there trying to maintain some sort of, trying to maintain his calm about mm. not losing his mind about the absolute drivel and nonsense that was being spouted in his direction. So okay. shout out to Kevin Hatchard. For for keeping his cool with yeah. when faced with 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 a, with this tidal wave of cretins and their mm. stupid takes because Gerard Piquet was was not the worst player in that in that Barcelona team and if you've actually watched him play you would have known that he was in his peak in his prime one of the best defenders in the world yeah yeah absolutely um I do have another prem face do you have one no okay. that was mine. Um, I right okay so I got just before we started recording I I got sent this uh, <laughs> I got sent I got sent this image um, is so it I real sport, though it according to Ronan Murphy it is real but you know what you can never be sure with Ronan um, I was going to say he's a joker isn't he he loves yeah. to <laughs> so Ronan Murphy he's a he's a German football journalist a friend of mine he he's, he's, he spends his life literally just cracking jokes that's all he ever does yes, even he when does. he's even when he's when he's writing about football and stuff. So he sent me an image of, it, he's a definite, I mean, it looks real. I don't see how this could be Photoshopped. So it's an image of a Sky Sports news reporter who is wearing a white shirt and white chinos or jeans or something. He's interviewing someone live on Sky Sports news. Um, and in his crotch area, there's a mass, there's a, like a rip where his balls are. And basically, his testicle is is popping Hanging out. out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's he's insistent. He's insistent that it's real. Yeah. But when was this aired? Because I, I I can't. I'm surprised this is not all over. Well, Twitter. on the ticker it says Hull FC fullback Jake Connor ruled out for up to three months with a medial ligament injury. So we could Google that and probably find out. Um, but it looks it's, like Formula One to me. Mm. What I can see, but is... then the guy looks like Gary Cotterall, but it might not be yeah. him. He might be someone. That else. is that's that's fantastic. I mean, when you sent me those two shots, I was like, "There's no way." Well, like his his trousers have burst exactly where his testicles are, and one testicle is out and hanging. Yeah. It's just it's yeah. I don't see how he couldn't have fit, like felt it because it is like hanging that's out. That's what I mean. It's outside. I mean, it's, it's, it's hanging out quite a lot. I mean, you would you would feel that. <laughs> I mean, you would feel that. You yeah. would feel that. Yeah. You'd expect to feel that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, good. Yeah. So yeah, he's 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 uh, prem face of the week. He really did balls up that one. 
<laughs> Literally. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. That's all we have time for today. Sorry, a bit of a longer show today. There was a lot to talk about. Uh, we will be back on, well, Tuesday for the Q&A episode uh, and then Thursday for review episode of the the busy midweek, last midweek before the World Cup. So, yeah, tune in for those. Um, see you next time. Ciao, ciao.